scary movie. Fear is defined as a feeling of agitation caused by the presence or imminence of danger. Why do you think people believe in ghosts? Consider tonight because I want us to be the first people your dad sees, not some hotel desk clerk. Miami National Weather Service issued a tornado watch. Please, I lived in Kansas my whole life. I've never once seen a tornado. Be abandoned for stability shelter. Otherwise, go to an interior room on the lowest level of your home. the storm's over? I think we're safe. I don't know. What was that? Do you hear that? No! Until... You have to get out of They came... face to face. There's no need to run, sweetie. Look for it on DVD. I had the dream again last night. What, the woods? The woods. But our woods. It was special. It was peaceful. We can stay in bed the weekend instead. Oh, God! Ah! Maybe when we come back, we can have a conversation about having a little rock star. I don't know why you're bringing this up now. We're the exciting couple that travels, has adventures. Let's just enjoy the time we have together, okay? Hey, you remember the echo? Cool, cool! It's beautiful up here all alone. Not alone. Attacked you. 
know how to use that thing. Maybe turn the light on! Voices yet? What are you talking about? Sir, I have your pizza. Leave it on that doorstep and get the hell out of here. Okay. Um, well, what about the money? What money? Well, you'd have to pay for your pizza, sir. That effect. How much do I owe you? Uh, that'll be eleven eighty, sir. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Cheapskate. Hey, I'm gonna give you to the count of ten to get your ugly, yellow, no-good keister off my property before I pump your guts full of lead. One, two, ten. <laughs> One. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Inside Movies Galore. I'm your host, uh, David uh, Streggy, and here in the room I have director Patrick Ray. Is that correct? That's correct. So, um, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in the independent business, and uh, uh, tell us what your production company is. Uh, yeah, okay, so, you know, it's... It, it, I had to go way back. I was actually born and raised in Nebraska, um, and I decided to um, go to film school, but at the time, there wasn't really any film school opportunities in Nebraska, so I ended up transferring to the University of Kansas um, in the early, you know, like 2000, and, um, which is in Morris, Kansas. And so after graduating from KU, I ended up working at a TV studio in Lawrence, Kansas, and making films on the side, and then I just kind of never stopped. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I decided to kind of uh, dig my heels into the Kansas City area and uh, make movies in this area. Um, the TV studio in Lawrence at the time got involved with some of my films. They, were, they started putting in like a little bit of a budget for uh, short films and um, allowed me to make those films and then circulate them on the film festival okay. uh, circuit in the early to mid-2000s. And then they got involved with my feature, Nailbiter. Um, I ended up using a building that they owned on the same block. Um, it was actually, a, it used to be a um, organ factory, and they used it for the movie Carnival of Souls, because the original Carnival of Souls was shot in Lawrence, Kansas. Okay. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of it was. 
end up using um, that for the seller location for Nailbiter, and I built my set down there. And um, so, yeah, so I worked around the Lawrence area until uh, about 2010, and then I relocated to Kansas City, which is only about 45 minutes from Lawrence, and uh, just kept making films. And I've been basically 100% freelance independent filmmaker um, slash editor slash whatever slash writer. Um, now since what you can remember and tell me uh, uh, what uh, 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 specifically like uh, how you uh, uh, how you what cameras you, you might might have used what actors you might have used you know so on and so forth so yeah yeah so um, early on I started off making films I mean it was funny because I was making movies while uh, while at KU and getting class credit for it okay um, and we were just we you know I was jumping back and forth just in formats because at the time. Digital was just kind of on the cusp. Um, there was um, the Canon GL1 was shot on mini DV, and then there was the, you know, I mean, this is early 2000s, and then I was shooting on 16 millimeter, which was not cheap. <laughs> so I basically had to kind of decide what I was going to, you know, I was going to make movies, I was going to start learning on, on digital more than film because I could afford it. Yeah. Um, and I made a, you know, a bunch of short films, and, and two of them ended up on, if you remember, in 2000. Fangoria put out a DVD called the Fangoria Flood Drive. Okay. And they put they selected two of my films that made as a KU student to be on there. Um, they're not great, but they were <laughs> they got like national like release because they Rob Zombie was like the host of it, and they put them in all the blockbuster videos and stuff like that. So those are two. That was kind of like my first foray into like I remember. I actually own those Blood Drive uh, 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 DVDs, so... Well, and I hope you can see, I hope you can see the potential, because I made two that were on the first one, and if you look closely, they're shot in the same college apartment. Okay. Hilarious. But, but, you know, like, I was in my, like, I was like 23 years old, and I was making these movies, and and, um, they got picked for that, and that kind of... for me, like, early on, because you get out of film school and you're kind of like, well, sh- what am I going to do, you know? Like, th- am I going to move to Los Angeles? Mm-hmm. How am I going to make this work? 
And having those two films, because I was a huge, I had a subscription of Fangoria all the way through the 90s. Um, and so it was like a really, uh, a big deal to me to have these two films picked and put on their their uh, DVD. And so I, for me, it was like, okay, I guess I'm doing the right thing. Even though these movies, even though these two short films are not good. Like, they're just not, they're, you might see something in them that you'll be like, okay, I could see some creative potential. But, um... I mean, looking back on them, I'm like, no, those aren't good. But, you know, that got me started. So I, I was, for me, it was like a kick in the, it was a kick or a shot in the arm to keep me going uh, post-film school, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Okay. So um, I, I'm always thankful, I'm very thankful that that happened because I think that that if it had that not happened, I would have been a little bit more um, discouraged. Okay. So, uh, at the time. so I think that honestly, not having those two movies selected for that DVD would have probably caused me to not end up where I am right now, I guess. In my <laughs> so um, were those two films called The Walls and Evil and The Evil Awakens? No, no, no. Those are two other college movies I did. No, okay. Um, um, it was Man and His Finger and Disturbances. They were two okay. short films. Yeah. Um, in fact, I... I remember around the time that, that YouTube started, somebody did a shot-for-shot remake of A Man and His Finger as, like, a college project. <laughs> and, and I was like, this is the greatest compliment I've ever received. Somebody took, somebody took my horrible college movie that I made and remade it in shot-for-shot for, 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 like, a high school project. So it was, you know, and so, I mean, again, like, those are the things that, um, you know, push you along to make better things down the road, you know, and, and um, it, everything kind of leads you to where you're, where, where you're going. Okay. Um, yeah. So then, I, I mean, after that, I started, you know, um, making short films that got better as they went along. I would tell people, you got you to kind of get used to making some films you're not really proud of <laughs> to get that kind of out of your system, and then you start making um, uh, some stuff you're more proud of. You, you can start budget, you started hiring, like, professional DP, and, you know, <laughs> and you, you just kind of build from there, so I started working with um, a, a DP named Hahnemann Brown Eagle, and he shot a lot of my, he's actually shooting the, the film I'm shooting uh, starting next week, um, he was the, the DP on Nailbiter, which was entirely, again, shot around the Lawrence KC area, okay. uh, and he, he started shooting some of my short films around 2006 into, into like, 2012, and um, he's he's done a majority of my my films. Okay. And, uh, and you just start doing better work that you're more proud of, and, and trying to get them out there and circulate them. I start circulating them at film festivals like Shriekfest and uh, the New York City Horror Film Festival, and then like Horror Hound would pick them up and show them and stuff like that. So you start kind of developing. You know, a, a rhythm with where you're showing your short films and, and uh, you know, developing kind of a, I wouldn't say a fan base, but some people start to know your work and, and know that you're trying to do some interesting, cool stuff. And, and um, yeah. So. Alrighty. Well, I, I, I figure, um, I, since you already talked about Man in His Finger and Disturbances, I'm going to ask you about some of your college films and then probably work my way forward. Um, okay. Uh, so, so uh, it, when you first began, you you began with two titles, the uh, the walls and uh, the evil awakens. How was your? Uh, how did you get involved with those projects? 
I mean, again, I was, I was like a, a, well, it was my first year at KU, and, and um, The Walls was a short film that I made with a, basically a three-man crew, and I wanted it, it was, um, I ended up getting it on a DVD that I'm not, I'm not sure if it's still in print, but it was, the, it was oh, God, what was it, Hollywood Scarefest or something okay. like that? They put it out, they put it out in like 2003 or 2004. Um, but it was his, the idea was just this guy living in his apartment and all, his wall just keeps making noise. And so he like tickles his wall and the wall makes noise. <laughs> he's trying to hang up, he's trying to hang up, uh, pictures on the wall. And every time he does, the wall screams because it's like getting, getting, a, a, you know, so it was like this kind of this idea of your wall is alive. And it was just kind of this weird thing that kind of ended up, um, working for some reason. I don't know. I'd like to remake it at some point. <laughs> so it was like, we started with the GL1, and, you know, it was very early on in, in my film school years. And, yeah, again, like, probably, just probably 2001 or 2002. And um, but I think you could still, for a while there, it was on that Hollywood Scarefest DVD that you could rent at, like, Hastings stores and stuff, which was, again, like, it was, like, kind of showing me that I, at least I, I must be on to something. <laughs> I must be doing something right. So I kept, you know, making movies and... and um, I think the Evil Awakens was like my first college project. It was almost entirely CGI, and, uh, and this was like really early on when like you could find you could you could get 3ds Max for your computer and just kind of experiment. And uh, um, so a lot of those, I honestly I don't know if I have a copy of that <laughs> at this point. Like some of these films are, you know, we made them so early in our college years that like they're like buried somewhere on a hard drive or. That's fine. Data, I just figured I. I'd see what you remembered and work my way forward. So. Yeah. yeah, I know, exactly. And so, yeah, it, those, those are, uh, you know, um, very crude, very early, early works that, uh, again, like, the guy that was in the walls is a guy that I still work with every now and then. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that what happens is some of these early movies you make in college, you forge, you forge relationships, you forge friendships with these, with, with these guys and you end up working with, I mean, he stuck around the Kansas City area as well, started his own production company, so it's like everybody still stays connected, and I think that's kind of why I think film school for me was an important step, because some, some people always say you can skip film school and start making movies on your own, and for me, it was like more about relationship building, and, and a lot of the people that I still friends with and work with, I met initially in film school. Okay. Uh, and uh, I'll also mention uh, he's hairy, but uh, but aren't we all? Uh, Mul- <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's probably one of the earliest ones that ended up on, on the Internet Movie Database. Again, that was I think shot that I don't even remember that was shot again with the GL one in like early two thousands when I was in film school. It was um, we shot it in Oklahoma, I think, or, or close down in Coffeyville, Kansas, or something like that. Okay. And uh, again, I don't know where I could find a copy of it. Some of these <laughs>
would think is nobody ever asked me about these movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that's why I'm a little different. I, uh, I I ask the questions that nobody asks. So, <laughs> yeah, right, right. I that. Uh, so um, multitask and uh, the search for Inflata Boy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah, those are, again, like, again, um, those are again they made when I was in college. Multitask actually was uh, entered in a um, uh, contest with Movie Gallery, the the the, uh, um, the old video store that was around Movie Gallery. Okay. Um, actually, I think that went. I think that went away. What? When, when did Movie Gallery close as a as a as a uh, store? I can't remember. But they, they had like a movie, a, like a short film contest. So we were like the second. We were like the runner up to the winner. Okay. So they actually were playing. They were playing clips of multicast in various movie galleries. So I would actually walk to a movie gallery and see my my face. So that was actually in it. The idea was that we were kind of making fun of. Uh, uh, Again, like I think we we discovered how to use a split screen uh, okay. in our editing system, and so I was like, okay, what if I play a, a filmmaker who's cloned himself so he has a full size crew for his movie? And um, so I ended up playing like multiple versions of myself, like <laughs> playing like you know, again, like these are ideas, uh, short films where I was like, wow, I was, that's kind of a clever idea. I'd like to redo that at some point, you know, with with with, with better uh, equipment and stuff. But, uh, yeah, so those, again, these were made when I was at, at uh, the University of Kansas in my early early 20s. Okay. Uh, moving on to uh, Out to the uh, to Pasture and Bad Out Apples. Yeah, that's a short film I did for um, a 48-hour film fest in Lawrence, Kansas. It ended up winning, uh, it was called the Wild, the Wild West. Film festival. They give you forty-eight hours to make something, and, and um, so we made this, this little horror short, uh, and um, and then we ended up kind of circulating. And I think it's still on. It might still be on YouTube. Um, I still have a copy of it. It's 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 kind of fun, and it was again we shot it we shot it in like rural Kansas, and uh, at one point we were filming on this guy's farm, and I was like, you know, we need a dead cow. <laughs> for this scene, for this scene, like I was like, we need a dead cow. Like, like there happened to be like an Amish family watching this film, and this Amish family was like, "We have a dead cow." So all of a sudden, they're dragging this dead cow carcass across the road <laughs> uh, for us to film with. And I was like, "Oh, that's you don't see that every day." No. Uh, so, so that was like my favorite story about making that movie because it was, it was just such an odd. And then after we were done filming, they dragged their dead cow carcass back to their property. I'm not even sure how and why they had a dead cow, but they just happened to have one. <laughs> okay. So, uh, after uh, Out to Pasture, Bad Apples? Oh, uh, it was just the, um, um, I think what we ended up doing, we were making, we, my editor got a new camera. Okay. Like a Sony HD camera, and we wanted to make something um, to um, um, kind of demonstrate what the camera could do, and so I, we wrote this kind of little short film that took place in a little classroom with this boy. He has an apple. He picked off a tree that might be radioactive, of course, and so then the, the apple starts kind of doing weird stuff at, at his desk <laughs> uh, in front of the classroom and stuff like that. And again, like I'm like thinking back to these, I'm like, you know, we were on, we didn't have the, the technical capabilities to make these things look. Great, 
at the time, but like the ideas were solid enough, I think. Something that Louis Sackar would have probably enjoyed. <laughs> right, right, right. So, um, you know, and, and so, yeah, that was, it was just a one day, one day shoot with a classroom of kids and, um, which kind of prepared me later for my family film I directed that, um, actually coming out this year, but, uh, I, you know, working with kids and, you know, it's a whole other ball whole game other challenge, you know, and keeping their, <laughs> keeping their, their uh, attention, attention. And keep them happy. So, um, <laughs> it was kind of an old, early, early, uh, test of my ability to keep, uh, kids interested on set. And you can only work, you can only work them for so long before they're like, okay, we're done. We want to go home. So, <laughs> um, Moving on to uh, Zero the Counter. Uh, Zero the Counter is a short film I directed in I think 2005 or 2006. Um, and uh, involves two serial killers, one that picks up the other, hitchhiking. Okay. So, um, again, it's, like, it's a great, it was a, it was a fun script, uh, great concept. Um, I think it played at a couple, back when San Correa was doing their convention, uh, they uh, screened the film. Um, I think at the weekend of horrors in Chicago, and, and uh, again, it was, a, it was a really great concept, and I'd love to revisit it at some point. Just the idea of a of a serial killer accidentally picking up another serial killer, um, hitchhiking, and then they realize that they they're both you know on the run or whatever have the secret. Um, a lot. That's a lot to squeeze into like an eleven minute short film. Um, but, uh, yeah, we shot it again around Lawrence, Kansas and, and, um, man, we were still filming on, we were still filming on mini TV at that time. Okay. Um, moving on to a short film called The Thing About Bannon's Lookout. Yeah. Um, again, the short film we shot, uh, actually we shot around Kansas City in a wooded area and it ended up playing at the New York City Horror Film Festival, I think it's about five steps. Um, kind of a fun story where this, these two cops are on the road, and they're you know one of them is telling a story about this this uh, spot called Bannon's Lookout where he encountered kind of this creature, and um, you know shot it with shot it on a zero budget, and, and um, I just rewatched it a couple months ago, and I'm like, you know, it holds up pretty well. I mean, we we did you know we shot it at night and did all the lighting ourselves. And, two-man crew, and, <laughs> and uh, you know, those are the kind of films you're kind of like, well, we clearly had, you know, we did the best we could with what we had, and, and uh, yeah, I think it still kind of holds up, I, I, and, uh, you know, that was back before we had KC cameras, um, so it's like you watch it, and you're like, okay, well, the, it's still standard definition, um, you know, and we didn't shoot on 16 millimeter, but it's it still sounds and looks good when they played it in previous film festival. So, okay. Um, yeah. So uh, moving on this to is a this is a trip down this is a trip down memory lane. Proving that I still have good memories. Every every filmmaker has a journey, and uh, yeah. I, I believe that there is a step by step process that each and every one of us goes through, and I just enjoy listening. Sometimes there's stories that uh, that uh, that come with these, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, so, uh, so um, after uh, working on the thing about 
Bannon's Lookout. You uh, uh, did you film a film called uh, Emergency Preparedness? Yeah, so that actually was shot on sixteen millimeter. Okay. Um, I was just kind of making movies every uh, chance I had, and um, that was one that I ended up doing with the TV studio, kind of producing because I wasn't going to be able to afford a sixteen millimeter stock. Unless I had a little bit of funding, so um, made the movie. I mean, it caught in and cost me about six hundred bucks to make the movie, but um, I like, scored a, a friend of mine's apartment and turned it into like this. Basically, this guy who's—it's it, supposed to be kind of a play on War of the Worlds. He's inside of his house. He's boarded up all the windows. He believes there's creatures outside, and you start thinking, "Well, maybe he's crazy. This isn't really happening." Um, and it, it was a lot of fun. We set up like this. Uh, these little gags in which like a crossbow and it's like attached to a rope that if somebody's trying to break into the house the crossbow would fire and stuff. I mean it was, it was a lot of fun. We shot it over two two days in Lawrence and, and uh, um, yeah I mean I still have the film on the film print and everything. Uh, that's kind of one of the, I think that might have been one of the last film I shot on 16 millimeter. Very cool. Moving on to the Short film that you did called uh, Merriman's Circle. Merriman's Circle um, is a short film about. Uh, I was working with an elderly actress uh, named Betty Laird at the time, and um, her mom actually is a casting director here in Kansas City. Uh, was involved with films like I kind think what movie she was in, Mars Attacks, stuff like that. That was shot shot around the Kansas City area, and she helped uh, do some casting for. Um, but Betty, uh, her mother, and I cast Betty in the film, and it was, you know, this woman who, who's paranoid, and she's, she's living alone, and uh, she keeps seeing this car, and she's driving up to her house. And I think the movie was kind of ahead of its time, and it feels like just the utter the paranoia of, of it, it kind of plays on the idea of the older people, older people being scared of the younger generation, I think. Okay. Um, but it's, you know, her, this car just keeps showing up in her driveway, and it just kind of pushes her over the edge mentally, and, she, uh, and, and so it's kind of, kind of an interesting project, um, and uh, yeah, so I mean, we shot that, that, that was one of our early projects we shot with a um, Panasonic HDX, I believe, uh, and um, which allowed us to shoot HD, um, again, that was like 7, 720p at the time. Which was like cutting edge. Now everything like 8K, which I think we're we're shooting on um, this next week. We're gonna have to film in 8K, which is just crazy how how things have changed, you know. And you can't. The problem is that like some of your early work, you can't go back and upres because I mean some of that stuff wasn't meant to be upres. Like unless you shot on 35 millimeter, you can't take a movie that was shot in uh, standard definition and really successfully upres it. That, HD without it looking like crap. <laughs> you know, you just have to accept you have to accept that this is the, this is the medium we had at the time and this is what we use and, and you know, move on. Definitely. Um yeah. after Merriman's Circle you moved on to a project called The Fluff. Uh, uh, yeah, that was a, a done parade. There was a uh, uh, contest happening, I think it was at the Kansas International Film Festival. And uh, it was one of the things where they were doing a trailer contest where you could make like, and this is around the time of, of uh, the movie Grindhouse, 
and um, uh, basically we decided to make a big movie trailer in black and white. It was kind of like a play on the blob, except it was a bunch of cotton. And the idea is like the trees are releasing cotton into the air, and it turns into this giant blob, and it starts killing killing people. <laughs> um, I don't know if I said that one to you, but that was one that we did, yeah, it was like 13 years ago or something like that, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Okay. And uh, d uh, did you use anyone that, uh, uh, from any of your previous uh, short films? Uh? I, you know, I kind of end up reusing a lot of the same actors. Of the, you know, I, I, I've been working with a lot of the same actors in Kansas City, and you start to kind of forge relationships with people. And you end up starting to kind of um, write specific roles for actors because you just know they'll get built to the job. And, and uh, um, so, you know, I, I, I have, if you watch all my films, you start to see people, you know, you're like, I remember that guy from that film, and that guy from that film, so, um... Well, yeah, uh, kind of, like, I think, of, uh, the same old lady that's in, uh, Nailbiter is in, uh, It's Hell Getting Older. Yeah, exactly, and she's also in a short film I did called Wrong Number, um, she's just old, she's, she's in her 90s now. <laughs> uh, so... After the fluff, you uh, d d did a film called Shed Out of Luck. Shed Out of Luck, yes. Which actually had an actor who was also in um, the, uh, the fluff. Okay. And Kurt, Han Kurt Hanover is a, is a short film where it's dark humor, and the guy is basically. You think he's being held hostage, and he's like a, a prisoner of war, but it turns out he's a hunter, and animals have turned against him that he's been hunting and he's locked up in the shed. Um, and, you know, you see like a little door open up by, by him where, where things fed a little bit of food. And you see like a hook pushing the, uh, the food towards him. So it's like, basically like the deer are holding him hostage. And um, so it's kind of a dark comedy. Um, and I don't like it too much away, but Okay. Basically, it turns out he, yeah, basically it turns out he's, he's being fed his, his, his friend, who is also hunting the deer. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Interesting story. Uh, moving on oh, to uh, a feature, your first feature, I believe, correct? Yeah. Uh, the Empty Acre. Why don't you tell me a little bit about that project? Okay. So, basically... I started shooting that movie when I was 24. It just, and I was making other short films while I was working on that. Okay. Um, and because it just took that long to shoot, and I, I, again, every mistake I've, I ever made making a movie, I learned on that movie. I mean, I, I, I learned a lot from making it. Um, and I wanted to make something kind of cerebral and, and, and you know, a commentary on small town life. I, I grew up in, in small town Nebraska, and uh, so the idea was that, like this, this married couple living on this farm, and their baby disappears. Something from the field took it, and so it has a little bit of that. Um, what's the name of that movie um, with Meryl Streep, where their baby disappears? <laughs> Trying to remember the name of it. Um, but it, it was it was definitely me trying to make kind of a moody film with, with and it's very slow and, and you know it was my first feature and um, 
know, I, I got it, I got it out there, and it got ended up getting picked up by Cinema Epoch, I believe, is the company that released it. Okay. Um, and I was, you know, 26 when when they released it, and and um, I mean, the movies, the paces. So I would I would like to go back and cut out like 30 <laughs> minutes out of that movie. Um, but you know, you live, you live, and you learn. You know, you look back on some of your work, and you're like, I would have done this completely different. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the idea was there, and, and um, I think uh, you know, now that I'm older and I'm slightly wiser, maybe I, I can see the things I, I would have done differently. But I mean, we shot that thing over like a year. It took like, and I was shooting on weekends and. Um, my DP was Jeremy Osborne, and he's uh, he's done a lot of films since then. He actually is DP the uh, DP the short film that played at Sundance this year. Um, super talented guy. So, how and long then, were you know, your shoots for um, uh, for a, a normal short film that you were making up until this point? Um, you know, an average short film it just depends, like two three days maybe. Okay. Um, Full days, like they're 10, 12 hour shoots. Okay. Um, and then, I mean, the post production takes a lot longer. You know, I'll edit the film, or one of my friends will edit it, and, you know, the sound work and stuff. I just wrapped a short film called Fused, um, which was shot over four days. Okay. Um, and um, actually, that one's going to start hitting the festival circuit pretty soon. But the post production is taken. I edit the film, but then sound work can take maybe a month and a half, two months, depending on. You know how busy the sound designer is and stuff. So I mean, it, it can take some time. Okay. So, uh, so back to uh, the empty acre. Yeah. So, um, really, it was like we shot on mini DV because that was what we had at the time. Um, standard def. We didn't have HD at the time. That even though the movie was released in 2007, we were shooting it in 2004. Um, and um, cast the whole thing locally premiered it locally at the Kansas International Film Festival. Okay. Um, I mean, overall, it was a very good experience, and I learned so much from it. Um, and how was its reception? You know, it was it was interesting, because a lot of people really were surprised how the, how good the acting was in it, and I think that's what I'm most proud of it, is that the performances in the film are very, very good. Okay. Um, again, I still think the movie's too long. I feel like I could have cut it down by a half hour um, and uh, made a stronger film out of it. But at some point, you know, you got to move on to your next one. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you look back on your early work and you're kind of like, yeah, I would have done that differently <laughs> at a time. But, but you can't, like, you can't dwell on it because you can't, you're not, you know, I'm not George Lucas. I can't go back and make changes to my <laughs> 20 years later, you know. Um, you just have to keep moving forward. Definitely. So moving on to uh, Rupert Takes Manhattan and Woman's ah. Intuition. Okay, so Rupert Takes Manhattan is an interesting story on that. Actually, that was me in 2003. I think a lot of these movies end up on IMDb and the dates are way later than, uh, than uh, they actually were. Um, so they had a contest. Do you remember the, the website magazine Cinescape? Uh, I think I've heard of it, yes. Yeah, it was it was around in the nineties and, and uh, early two thousands. Well, they had a contest to make a Friday the Thirteenth fan film. Okay. 
And in my early 20s, twenties, I was like, oh, hell yes, I want to make a Friday the 13th fan film. <laughs> so I ended up making this, like, short film called Rupert Takes Manhattan, which is basically um, Jason Voorhees' like, less successful brother who has <laughs> a catcher's mask instead of a hockey mask. Okay. And um, instead of taking Manhattan to New York, he, he goes to Manhattan, Kansas, because that's where K-State is. Okay. So, like, <laughs> I ended up winning this contest, um, flying out to Los Angeles, and they screened the film in front of the original Friday the 13th, and they had the cast, and they had Sean Cunningham in the audience and stuff, and again, this was all around the same time that the Fangoria Blood Drive thing was going on, so for me, it was like these huge shots in the arm that made me realize I still, I, I, I can be a filmmaker, uh-huh. you know? So they ended up putting it as a, uh, extra on when they released his name was Jason on the documentary okay uh, uh, Dan Terrence took my Rupert Takes Manhattan uh, short, short film, film. And put it on as, a, as an extra okay so if, you two, if you have the two discs his name was Jason um, set you'll, it's, it's on there as one of the supplements okay um, and actually there's a snippet of it in the actual his name was Jason documentary so um, I don't know if you've seen have you seen that documentary? I have, I believe. In fact, I think I own the two disc. So yeah, so, <laughs> on there. I mean, again, like, it was something I went out into the woods behind my apartment and shot, and and it ended up going a little further than I thought it would. You know, well, evidently, uh, someone likes the way you film. <laughs> well, I mean, I and I was twenty three, and at the time, I was just like, this is this is great. This is. This is uh, <laughs> You know, and I was doing it all from Lawrence, Kansas, and so I, that's why I, it was kind of like something was telling me to keep working from the Midwest as opposed to flying out. And, and, you know, I was going out to L.A. for, for, like, film festivals and meetings and stuff, but I was still based out of the Midwest. So. Totally understand. So, and uh, what was the other woman's intuition was the, was the other one you were talking about? Yep. That one was kind of like, for me, uh, a turning point, because um, that's when I started working with, I actually had an actual crew. Okay. <laughs> and I was able to pay them. Um, and uh, it, it uh, was the first time I worked with Hyman Brown Eagle, who's basically been one of my longtime VPs. And uh, the film uh, played it lots of film festivals, New York City Horror Film Festival, and it ended up winning a Heartland Emmy. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, so that movie was kind of a turning point for me. And um, again, it's one of those ones where I'm like, I watch it now, and I'm, it's on my Vimeo, and I watch it now, and I'm like, eh, I would do it differently. But it's, like, it's still kind of holds up. It's very Twilight zone It's a girl who hears, she keeps hearing a buzzing noise. It's, it's, it's the film like maybe eight minutes long and she's talking to her therapist about this buzzing that she's hearing and she's like I can't it's almost like a spidey sense mm-hmm. and she's like I must be I must be dying because I, every time I sense danger I hear this noise and now I can't hear I can't stop hearing it so it must mean I'm terminally sick and <laughs> then there's a big plot there's a big plot twist at the end of it that um, and I'll, I mean I'll send that one to you so you can watch it, it it's fun but again it was it, you know it's 13 years old, so um, it has the it has a little bit of the uh, the warts of, of of time, kind of you know. And, and, uh, <laughs> you have to look you have to look at those to say like, like where I was at the age of 26, you know, and 
moving forward. Okay. Moving on to Paint Shaker. And okay. Now That You're Dead. <laughs> okay. Those are two short films that I made. Um, oh, man. Both of Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, now That You're Dead, I, I partnered with the TV station there, and they uh, put money up to that one, and it's kind of like an old-school vampire short film. It's actually on a uh, compilation of short films that was released a couple of years ago called Monster Monster X. Monster X? Okay. Called. I've seen um, a UK DVD for that. Yeah, it's on there. It's like some of that company ended up picking up a bunch of my old work and putting it on their anthologies. Um, and then Paint Shaker was uh, one that I shot in a hardware store in Lawrence. We took over a hardware store um, for, for three nights and shot that film and, and um, uh, circulated that film on the film festival circuit. It's kind of a, it's a little bit, it's a, it's an on the job shooting film. So it kind of a touchy, a touchy subject now because it's like this, this guy who was fired, he comes in to, to kill his boss. So, um, again, this was Yeah, pre pre nine eleven, where everyone wasn't put uh, put uh, put on standby for every single thing they did. <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, it was, we shot in two thousand eight, but it was like, it, it seems like there's been a lot more on like job shooting since then, and so it was just very like. Uh, I mean, if I show it to people now, they may actually <laughs> it might might be even more disturbing now than before. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, that those. Next Caller and Misfortune Smiles. Mm. Yep, both were um, Next Caller. I ended up in Stars. Um, oh my gosh. I'm blanking on his name. Oh, Alan Kaiser. Okay. Alan Kaiser. And he was, he was the, the uh, bad frat guy in Night of the Creeps. Okay. Um, that's kind of his, that's one of his big roles. He was on Bad Mama's Family. Um, uh, he lives in the Kansas City area, and I cast him as uh, this radio DJ who starts getting weird phone calls, supernatural phone calls and stuff uh, on his radio show, and we shot it again, uh, I think it was two nights. We did overnight, so the radio station would close at six or seven, and then we would come in and film till, they, till sunrise, and then, you know, do this. maybe it was three nights that we did it. But, so um, that must have been interesting, doing a night shoot. Events or uh, Monsterland too. Uh, those, those have other ones of mine. Um, I have to check. It. I can't remember exactly what next call. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and then Misfortune Smile actually was a short film I did with an actor named Jeff East, who um, actually was in Pumpkinhead, and he was in. Um, he played Clark Kent in the first Superman. Um, Christopher Reeve Superman. He played Clark Kent when he was a teenager. Okay. Um, it was kind of this, this play on, it was like he's 
like a fortune teller charlatan, and then all of a sudden his crystal ball actually starts working, and then, and you know it, it, it was it was a fun shoot. Um, again, shot in Lawrence, Kansas. I shot most of those movies in Lawrence. Nice. So, uh, Mrs. Brumette's Garden. I mean, that, that was another uh, Free State Studios was the company that I was working for at the time. That was the TV station, and they came on board and, and helped me uh, uh, make that film. And it was just kind of a, an elderly couple, and one of them is sits in her garden and talks to theorists. And, and, you know, it was kind of a commentary on Alzheimer's and dementia, but it turns out she's actually talking to fairies. And her husband's kind of abusive, so then he ends up getting taken out by the fairies, more or less. <laughs> so it, was, it, was, it was kind of a dark, uh, dark fairy tale. Um, okay. So, uh, uh, having uh, uh, said that, that's not the only time that you've worked with the elderly. Uh, 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 but we'll, we'll get to, uh, to that later. Uh, okay. Do not disturb. Uh, Do Not Disturb was um, around the time where the red cameras first started. Uh, I don't know if you, you are familiar with the red camera, which is what a lot of movies are shot on now. Yeah. Um, and I was prepping Nailbiter at the time, and I was like, okay, we need to shoot um, on this red camera. And I, I, so I wrote this short film as kind of like a, it was almost like a workshop to test this camera. Okay. Um, and it became way more than that because I ended up... I, I, I was using, I wanted to short, shoot a short film about a guy who basically is on the run, he's a serial killer, he's staying in a motel, I end up having to get a hotel room, pay for it to shoot the film, um, and uh, the film turned out, I, I'm really proud of that film, actually it's a Vimeo staff pick, um, and uh, it ended up on the, it ended up in the anthology, The Invoking 2, when they, did, they started doing sequels to The Invoking, which was like an indie film made a few years back, and then they started doing like anthology sequels. Okay. And so they ended up taking the, the so Do Not Disturb is on like, is in The Invoking 2, which was like at Walmart and uh, on Tubi and stuff like that. Um, but so I still see it every now and then uh, around the, <laughs> in different places. Okay. So uh, uh, after that, uh, you, you did a... Uh, TV movie, or co-directed co a TV movie uh, called Jake Johansson? Yeah, it was a HBO, or not HBO, Showtime. Okay. Showtime comedy special. Um, it was Jake Johansson. He's like kind of a famous comedian for being on, um, like he's got like the most guest spots on uh, David Letterman or whatever. He's been on Letterman so many times. And so he approached him, him and um, uh, Emery Emery the other co-director approached me about shooting in Kansas City at uh, um, the Uptown Theater. So I set up the, use my crew, and we shot the thing over during one of his tours, and uh, ended up on Showtime. So that was that was a that was a great time. That was a really great time. Okay, very cool. Uh, and uh, um, after that pr uh, production, you uh, you did. Uh, Get off my porch. Time's up, Eve, and Hell Week. Yeah, those are three of my favorites. This is starting to get into the period where I was like, okay, now our movies are starting to be a little bit more turning out more the way I, you know, what I, the way I, I envisioned them. Get off my porch was 
Harry Manfredini did the score for it, actually, um, from the guy who did the Friday the 13th music. Okay. Um, I, and um, it's kind of like this, it's, it's very Joe Dante-esque in, the, in terms of style. It's this guy who's like being harassed by evil Girl Scouts trying to get him to, you know, to uh, uh, buy the cookies. Uh-huh. They're very addictive. So like everyone in this neighborhood is addicted to these cookies except him. <laughs> Uh, and then the, the Girl Scout, uh, funny thing, the, the, one of the Girl Scouts is played by actress named Catherine McNamara, who's kind of gotten famous. Um, she's, I don't know if you've watched the, the show Shadowhunters. Okay. Um, yeah, she's the lead on that. Um, I think they just had their last season of that show. And then she was on Arrow uh, recently, and uh, she's done really, really well. And this is when she was like 13 or 14 years old mm-hmm. when she did this short film. So, yeah. Uh, and then uh, Times Up Eve is probably one of my favorites I've ever made. It's a black and white kind of 1940s noir sci-fi piece. It's supposed to feel kind of like an old school Twilight Zone episode. Okay. Um, uh, very proud of that one. That one still circulates. I, I actually screened it at uh, Planet Comic Con this year in Kansas City. And, and um, so if that was, if I was to take any of my movies and expand them into a feature, that's probably the one I would do. Okay, um, and who did you uh, y- use uh, uh, actor or actor-wise in there? In Times of Eve, I used an actress named Sharon Wright. Okay. Um, and uh, a couple other actors I've worked with, Jason Miller. Um, he's actually in, in the film I made called Justin Server, which is more recent. Um, again, we shot in the West Bottoms of Kansas City, which is kind of this old area where they have a lot of older-looking buildings because I kind of wanted to look more like the 1940s period. It's almost like it's, it's, it's like a post-apocalyptic sci-fi 1940s movie. Um, <laughs> and, it, you know, there are creatures in it that are taking people's souls. And it, it's, again, it's something that I, after I finished it, I looked back, I rewatched it recently, and I'm like, I'd still like to go back and make something bigger off of that idea, maybe mm-hmm. expand it. Um, it ends up screening at Screamfest LA, um, which is a really great festival in Los Angeles. Okay. Um, moving on to Hell Week. Hell Week. Um, that one is on a, a compilation which uh, I can't believe it's called this, this company called Ruthless Pictures. Okay. A bunch of my bunch of my work. Well, I know that um, there's a Dow one that uh, is it coming out or uh, it came out, Charlotte. Yeah, it had to get off my porch on it. But like, it's funny because like on my IMDb, there's a lot of movies listed that are actually anthologies that have some of my older short films. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think uh, Halloween is on one called The Portal, which is also on like Amazon and and uh, TV. But Halloween is like I would. It's a horror movie, but it's more like it, it, there's no supernatural element. It's like basically three sorority girls who have kidnapped a frat boy who basically he, he, you find out later that he slept with all three of them on a dare and like they're getting back at him and so they're it's, it's um, you know they, basically for Hell Week uh, he uh, one of his I guess initiations was to sleep with three sorority girls and okay. so they're getting back at him he's tied up and, and uh, things go too far um, the, the lead 
interesting guy in it is Jared Maher. He actually was in, um, in maybe ABC's of Death too. I can't remember. He was in one okay. of those, and then he was, and then he was, uh, yeah. And then Meg Sarix, who was one of the main girls, she she was my lead girl, Nail Biter. So we shot it around the time that we were doing Nail Biter. I think, and if I remember, we were shooting it during a snowstorm, which was. In Kansas City, which was, I just remember having to drive back from from location, like a complete white white out snowstorm. Um, but that one was it was a lot of fun to make, and, and I think it, it turned out pretty well. And and uh, again, it lives on. I think the portal is on Tubi TV, it's, so it's part of it. It's on. It was on Hulu for a while. It may still be. So um, it's fun for me because I take these short films that you know they have. Uh, you know, they're, they're tied at the film festivals, and then it's like you got to find a place for them to, to live on. Well, so, yeah. You know, Ruth, Ruthless approached me and was like, you know, we want to license uh, some of your short film work. And I was like, why not? You know, like that way they they could be seen elsewhere, you know? And, and uh, cause a lot of the time, short films kind of disappear. They either end up on YouTube or kind of fade away. So yeah. for me, and it was an opportunity to uh, get them out there to a wider audience. And, yeah. Definitely. So, um, um, talk about projects uh, Rhino and uh, Wrong Number. Um, Rhino is a longer formatted short film that we did. Um, it actually was, stars Malcolm Goodwin, who was actually the lead detective on iZombie, the TV show. Okay. Uh, and uh, Keith Lonaker, who was in a lot of movies, he was in like Superbad. He uh, passed away about two years ago. Um, we shot the film uh, again. It was more of it's not a horror film; it's a more of a suspense uh, film. I was really happy with the way it turned out. The trick was it was a forty-minute short film, and at the time, that was kind of this nebulous. Like a lot of film festivals didn't want to take it because. It was too long. It wasn't a feature. It wasn't a short. Okay. So um, the film didn't quite get out there as well. And I think, that it, again, it was before I zombie, so there's part of me that wants to uh, revisit it and see if I can get it out there to a broader audience now that, that uh, Malcolm is, is kind of famous for that show. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, uh, so, it, again, that's one that I, I think I think down the road I'm probably going to go back and... and uh, maybe give it a fresh coat of paint and see if I can get it out there to a broader audience. But uh, at the time, it was frustrating because it was 40, 45 minutes long and it was like, the film festivals were like, yeah, we can program four or five short films in, in that same time slot. <laughs> and so it was tricky. It really was. And so, you know, it didn't do as well as I hoped. Um, long Number, on the other hand, is one of those short films that just keeps living on. Um, I every now and then post it on uh, my uh, director page, and it seems like it gets a lot of a really good response. And it stars um, uh, Joyce Appel again, who was the villain in Nailbiter, and then another actress named Cinnamon Schultz, who um, she was in the movie Winter's Bone. I don't know if you've seen that film, um, and uh, she does a lot of work here in Kansas City. She's actually going to be in the film I'm shooting starting next week. So. Um, so yeah, that one actually, wrong number is probably one of my favorite films I've ever ever made. Um, and it's just basically two people talking on the phone, and then I mean, it, it, it's uh, I, I don't want to give away too much. 
totally understand. But, uh, it's, uh, on, it's on my Vimeo, and I think it might even be on YouTube still. But well, it's definitely on my, my Vimeo page. Split the check, and uh, after okay, that, uh, nail biter. Okay, split the check um, was a lot of fun. That was a film that I shot. Um, actually, you, are you familiar with um, World of Death and, and Bloody? I I am. I have not watched okay. the entirety of A, a World of yes. Death, but I did pick the yeah. entire Blu-ray set up. <laughs> well, it's what, what the check is on is on, is part of that series. So it's time to leave. It's what the check is kind of like. Just what could possibly go wrong if a waiter, a bunch of annoying couples are sitting together, and a waiter refuses to split the check, and they all start arguing, and then um, they end up killing each other. Okay. I was thinking of the concept. I was just like, I've been around that situation where you're at a restaurant and like they don't want to divide up the check, and then everybody's like, "Well, wait, I had three margaritas. I don't want to pay for his margarita." You know, and it ends up getting really heated. And so I was like, "Wouldn't it be funny if everybody just started arguing and they killed each other?" <laughs> and so I I ended up filming in a restaurant and uh, kind of bringing that to life, and it's more of a comedy piece. Okay. Um, horror comedy. Um, but I'm sure they're like, it's funny because some waiters have seen it and they're like, oh God, we can completely, we can completely relate to this. <laughs> and uh, Nailbiter. Nailbiter was um, my second feature and uh, I've been trying to make a sequel to it for a couple of years now. Um, and um, it's probably one of my favorite films I've made. Um, you know, indie horror film that's in. We uh, screened it at uh, New York City Horror Film Festival and Shriekfest, and uh, Lionsgate ended up picking it up and putting it in the red box, and it, um, uh, it, and it, it was on Shiller, if you remember that channel. Okay. Um, it was on Shiller for years, uh, and uh, eventually, because NBC Universal owned Shiller, and eventually they, they did away with it. <laughs> um, I think last year they got rid of Chiller. Um, I think it was airing on the Horror Channel in the UK, so it's, it's moved around. And so I've been really trying to make a second one, um, and I have a script. And so the whole project keeps landing in my lap. They kind of, ah, you know, take me away from it. Uh, so, um, but uh, the idea, the concept was. was uh, pretty simple for Nailbiter was the idea that there's these creatures that are uh, shape-shifting due to, to severe weather, which I live in the Midwest, so I'm always constantly around tornado warnings. Uh, so I was like, well, what if we take the idea of the werewolf, which is, you know, shape-shifting. Which this was way before Sharknado. <laughs> right, right. And this is the idea of these creatures changed because of the weather, and, and so um, it was kind of fun. Yeah? We shot the movie, you know, in, in Lawrence and in the Kansas City area, and uh, it took a couple of years to get it shot because we, you know, we we shot for, for, for a month, and we were, or not quite a month, but we ran out of money, and we literally had to take the entire year off and raise more funds. Um, and so there was a whole year there where I was like, is this movie going to get completed? Um, I needed more money for the creature effects, um, and uh, luckily we, we made it all happen, and, and uh, um, the film seems to still have an audience, which is great, and, and I get asked a lot about making the second one, because I, I basically, you know, I end the movie, and 
one, and I haven't made the second one yet. So. <laughs> um, and I will eventually. I have a support. I just, you know, it's, it's all about raising funds. And uh, I've made two features since then, and, and I've got a third feature since then, and the one I'm working on now that, that I was actually going to start working on the Elbinder 2 and hopefully get it in the can this year, but then I had a different movie um, kind of fall in my lap that had the financing and stuff. So, um, you know, it's, it's like, you said, like you said, it's a journey that uh, um, just kind of have to take projects as they come, and, and uh, um, I'm sure Nailbiter 2 will happen at some point soon. So Okay. Um, now, did you work on something called Withered World? What's that? Did you work on something called Withered World? Um, it was a uh, web series that we shot here in Kansas City, and I was asked to direct one piece of that. Okay. So I did. I did a, I did a short um, uh, called Vindicate, and the idea the idea of the web series was that it was the end of the world, and it was like just dealing with different stories and different people dealing with the fact that it's the end of the world. So it kind of uh, had this apocalyptic but interesting concept and, and I really liked it and, and decided to do a, a little seven minute short and, and um, okay. I think that was, 2000, that was around 2013 and, and uh, really, yeah I'm really proud of how that turned out and um, okay. yeah. moving on to uh, the hourglass figure and I do uh, yeah uh, both of those um, hourglass figure was a short film that I did um, with an actress named Michelle Davidson, who is also my co-writer on, she wrote Halloween. She's a really talented screenwriter. Um, and she's been doing, like, she's been doing a lot of, uh, of um, uh, acting. If you look her up on IMDb, she's got a lot of, a lot of work under her belt. Um, and she was the co-writer on that TV show, The Inspectors, that I worked on. Um, and, uh, yeah, she co-wrote Arbor Demon with me. <laughs> <laughs> Originally entitled, originally entitled Enclosure, um, but that was like, the Hourglass figure was one of our first uh, collaborative efforts, and um, uh, it was kind of the idea of the overworked housewife who is trying to have more time in her day for herself, and she finds an hourglass, and she, when she turns it over, it freezes everyone around her so that she can, like, have time to herself, she starts to do more laundry done, she starts being able to work out and, and it, it, but then it has adverse effects so it has a kind of like a twilight zone um, feel to it and <laughs> um, yeah so it, it, that one was um, a, a lot of fun to make so. okay uh, moving on to I do I do I do is um, similar in the sense that it was kind of um, it was originally written for that Withered World uh, web series and it was kind of um I can't remember what, what the, logistically what happened, but it ended up not being included. So we, we shot it as a separate uh, short film. And it's like the idea of the, these um, parents who want to um, make their kids' last wish come true and it's to get married. Okay. So it's like, because, of, because of the apocalypse is coming. So it's like this kind of this cute um, little staged wedding between these two kids. Okay. Right before, like, right before the world comes to an end. So... Um, Kind of a tearjerker uh, short film. Okay. Actually, it's, it's played on uh, uh, Shorts HD, that channel Shorts HD that I think you can get with DirecTV. They they picked that one up for um, distribution. So. Okay, cool. 
Moving on to uh, Good Conduct and Return. Um, uh, Good Conduct is probably one of my top favorite short films that I uh, ever did. I mean, Michelle Davidson was also the writer on that. And it's the idea there's this, there's this son who's meeting with his dad who's finally getting out of prison. And so it's like, it's, it's, um, we shot the whole thing in one day. And we ended we obviously couldn't get into an actual waiting area in prison. So we ended up shooting in a YMCA and finding a room and making it look like it was in, it was in a prison. Okay. Um, but, um, yeah, it's just kind of this, this conversation between the son and this, and this father who we, we insinuate was a very abusive uh, father. And, and um, I, that one, um, it, it played like the St. Louis International Film Festival. Um, it, it played in a lot of places. It, it played on short HD as well. Um, very, proud of, very proud of that film. And, and uh, it's another one that I occasionally post up my... Um, uh, director page just because I, I feel like it's a strong one of my one of my stronger short films. Okay, um, and return. And return. Return is kind of an experimental. I haven't done anything really kind of. Uh, I had a writer approach me, and she wanted to, to finance this, this kind of this film, and she, she didn't really have a script as much as she had a breakdown of what happened, to me. <laughs> um, and it was very surreal. Okay. And um, the girl in it was, it turns out the girl in it uh, went on to become Miss Missouri, and then she ended up uh, on the show Big Brother. <laughs> okay. Um, like, a re- like a recent season of Big Brother. Um, and so she, she's uh, super talented. Um, and we shot it, you know, over a course of two days, and it's kind of this woman who's in purgatory, and she's running down this hallway, and she looks through these keyholes in these different rooms. And she sees like past lives. It's very, it's very, it's very artsy and surreal. And um, and that's another one that Short HD picked up. I, you know, Short HD licensed several of my uh, four or five of my short films and um, circulated on their channel and stuff. But uh, that one is it's very like it's almost like a music video because there's almost no. I don't think there's any dialogue. Even now I think about it, it's all done with. Um, and stylizing just to music, and um, for me, it was just kind of a chance to do something completely out of the, <laughs> out of my comfort zone. Definitely. So, yeah. uh, moving on to uh, counterparts and house mother. Uh, yeah. Tell me about those. Uh, counterparts is um, I got approached by an actress. Uh, it's such a weird, it's so weird how this business works. Um, I had an actress reach out to me wanting to work with me after seeing Rhino at a film festival. And she was like, hey, I, I want to work with you. I, I, she was an aspiring actress. She ended up financing the film. Um, that uh, ended up playing a lot of film festivals, like New York City Film Festival and stuff. Um, and she plays like a, it's like she plays two roles. And I was like, okay, if I'm going to write something for you, I want something that can kind of demonstrate your acting ability. So why don't I write you as two characters so that you can show two different ranges. Um, and it's, you know, it's very tales from the crypt. There's some voodoo involved. And, uh, um, it's funny cause her daughter, who actually plays the, the, the young version of her in this short film, uh-huh. her daughter went on to, to star on, she's on the show, man with a plan on TV. 
we asked to see the, uh, uh, Matt LeBlanc's daughter on the show. So she went on to do some great stuff. Okay. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, it's been fun watching her kind of grow up and, and start some bigger stuff. So even though you haven't made the movie that you want to make, you've been kind of like the booster for a lot of people's careers. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny. Cause, yeah, it's weird. Cause I'm looking, I'm getting, it's not, not until I, I really sit back and talk about it. I'm like, okay, so yeah, like Return had the gal, and she'd been on Big Brother, and then Catherine McNamara was in Get Off My Porch, and then um, Hollis Finley was in Counterparts, and now she's on Man with a Plan. So yeah, like, it's, it's interesting when you start looking back and you're like, oh, well, I must have I must have seen something, you know, early on in their talent, and, and you know, I must have been able to recognize that, you know, they've, <laughs> and they've gone on to do some really good stuff, yeah. Nice. So, uh, after Counterparts, you did House Mother? And House Mother, um, again, it was kind of the same situation. I had an actress reach out to me, and she wanted to make a film that dealt with uh, human trafficking. Cause, uh, human trafficking is a big problem in Kansas City, so she wanted, she's been, um, you know, fighting against it, so she's been making short films that kind of uh, detail stories about human trafficking, and so, it, again, it was a subject matter that kind of freaked me out a little bit, so um, I uh, made this movie called House Mother that uh, uh, deals with a mom who actually is, her own job is to put the makeup on these girls and stuff like that, and these sex trafficking uh, locations and stuff. And it's, hence that they call them house mothers. And um, it was a really disturbing uh, subject matter. And I, I'm really proud of the way the film turned out. Um, and uh, she's still circulating that film when she shows, uh, and she's been, you know, doing talks at different places, and, uh, you know, trying to inform people about the dangers of human trafficking and, and uh, I didn't realize that Kansas City was such a, was such a huge hub for, for that, and it's it's really scary, especially knowing I have, you know I have two daughters, and, and uh, uh, but that that film was a very uh, very serious. There was no humor in that film at all. <laughs> totally understand. So yeah. um, moving on to uh, now, what was Fear House? Um, Deer House is, is uh, do you know Blair Bathory? She, uh, she's kind of, uh, she hosts this, this, uh, online series on YouTube called Fear House, and she took, um, <laughs> a couple of my short films, like Counterparts, I think maybe even wrong number, I can't remember the, all, the, all the ones that she's got on there, but she's taken a couple of my short films and, and included them on her web series. Okay. So, and she's, yeah, so she's still doing it, um, and, uh. So, yeah. Um, okay. That's how that kind of came about. Sure. Uh, moving on to uh, Howl of a Good Time. Ha <laughs> boy. This is, a, this is the one that I can talk about for, for days. Um, so, I had a couple of my films show at the uh, Hot Springs Horror Film Festival in Arkansas. Okay. And um, <laughs> so, uh, Tamara Glenn, who was in Halloween 5, was running that film festival. So um, I came up and I showed like you know my porch and a couple other like short films and she said she kept saying we should make a short film. I'm like great, let's do it. So um, I ended up through a bunch of, of 
you know, connections. I was able to pull together a crew. Um, some of the crew came from, like, Long Island. And we all traveled to the Hot Springs Horror Film Festival the following year and shot a short film while the film festival was going on. And it was the most bizarre, like, so we had um, Leslie Easterbrook in the cast. She was visiting the film festival with a guest. Okay. So basically wrote the short film to take place in a movie theater. So it's like a movie theater, and the short film involves these kids trying to sneak into a horror movie, but it turns out the horror movie is being shown to a bunch of werewolves. Okay. And so it's kind, of, it's it's very tongue in cheek, uh, old school tales from the crypt. Um, and uh, I had a lot of fun with it. It's actually on Monsters X, and it's on a one other anthology. It's on multiple anthologies that that company put out. Okay. But um, so it's got Tamara Glenn, it's got Leslie Easterbrook. It was supposed to have Felissa Rose. She was at the film festival, but it ended up. It, I had actually a whole section of the script devoted to her, but then she ended up not, not being able to do it. Um, and uh, yeah, we shot it over the course of three days at the film festival while it was going on. And um, it was funny because like I didn't see a single film at the film festival. We would. <laughs> heard of it. I, I assumed that it was an anthology yeah, volume set. Kind of an they have their own channel. They have their own website. Um, they released uh, two anthologies. Fun Size Horror Volume 1 and Fun Size Horror Volume 2. Um, this one I did for them uh, for Volume 2. And it's like the idea of there's these sorority girls and they're having a pillow fight and um, the pillows get shredded, and then when the girls go to sleep, the pillows wake up and take their revenge. <laughs> um, so, and it, it, <laughs> my daughter is sitting right next to me, and she immediately chimed in. She's like, that's the movie with your mommy, or with mommy. And I'm like, yeah, my wife is in there. It's <laughs> one of the first movies I put my wife in. Um, and, um, you know, Fun Size produced it, and... Um, it really, you know, it, it, it was on Hulu for a while. It's on TV because I think Volume Two is on Tubi TV. Um, actually, it's funny because Karen Gillan directed one of the uh, segments on that 
anthology as well. So, um, okay, uh, moving yeah. moving on to uh, Midget Mafia of KC. What was your involvement that with actually, that? That actually hasn't, that actually hasn't happened. Uh, okay. I was, I, I was just attached to it. Um, we did some promos um, to kind of help the producer raise some money. The guy, the guy who um, is producing it, started and it actually was just in the field guy, the evil. Okay. So uh, he's been doing well, and he's still trying to get. Uh, and it's kind of like a slow reality show that he's kind of. Um, He's, you know, trying to get off the ground. So I, I'm good friends with him. And if he ever gets it off the ground, I, I'm, I'm here waiting. So, uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, Hoot the Short Film. Okay. I did that for Crick TV, which is Eli Rob's channel. Uh, okay. They commissioned me to do a, like a two-minute short film. And it's, it's like, it's on YouTube. It's gotten like... 400,000 views on YouTube. It's, it's like this, it's like a minute and a half of this guy trying to sleep and there's, a, there's an owl hooting out his window and he shoots the owl and then the next morning he's terrorized by the undead owl. It's very goofy and I intentionally, <laughs> like, I'm like, this is old school, like, humor. Peter Jackson style. Yeah, it, it, I, very, um, yeah. <laughs> it, I, I had a lot of fun shooting it. Um, but, uh, yeah, it circulated on Crypt TV for a while, and, and now it's on their YouTube channel. Okay. Um, m- moving on to uh, Arbor Demon. Uh, uh, do we have another three, we have another three hours? <laughs> 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 this one I can talk about forever. Um, again, um, Originally, it was called... Enclosure, which I wish they had kept that title. Um... You know, we shot the movie in Charleston, South Carolina. We originally but then opportunity came where we got the financing and we were, we were going to shoot the movie in Charleston and, and uh, stars Fiona Doris and Jake Busey and, and uh, um, it was, you know, we shot the movie in 12 days uh, which was just it was Herculean uh, to get that in the can in that you know short time, and we were filming in we were filming in December in Charleston, which is still like seventy degrees there. But it was like we were trying to make the movie in daytime hours, and that's like December is the shortest days of the year. So um, there were several days where we were lighting the forest to make it look like daytime. So we were like we were doing night for day instead of day for night, um, and they, you know there, it was it was a very complicated shoot. We had lots of makeup. Um, makeup effects. Um, my makeup effects team had worked on like VHS and, and um, uh, the Hunger Games. And so I really had a list talent involved, and you know, but we, we pulled it together in a very short period of time. Um, you know, the whole idea was to make a movie. It was it was kind of a container horror movie where most of it's set in a, in a tent, and they can't leave the tent. Um, so it lended itself to low budget, but my idea was trying to make it more Hitchcock-y in the sense that it's like the tension inside of the tent is almost more palpable than what's outside of the tent. It's almost like the monsters are secondary to the villain that's inside the tent with them, played by Jake Busey. So, um, you know, I was very happy the movie premiered at Fright Fest in London, and I flew in, 
and, um, you know, very happy with how the film turned out. Um, Ramatoz Ventures released the film and then ultimately decided to change the title to Arbor Demon, which I was um, not thrilled with, I'll be honest with you. I mean, to be perfectly frank, I was not pleased with the title change. I understand why they did it. Um, and it's funny because I still see the movie. I was flipping through one of my ropes, ropes channels yesterday and the movie was streaming on the Gravitas movie channel, and, and uh, you know, this was around the time, you know, it was 2006, 2016, the movie came out in 2017, so around that time, there was kind of a thought process with video on demand um, called Alpha Stack, which is uh, the movies that are in the upper part of the alphabet were making way more money, because people weren't wanting to scroll through the alphabet um, to pick a movie. So they, whenever they stop it, they stop it in the, in the A's and pick a movie in the A's because that's how VOD was was listing movies. Um, so they wanted an A title instead of an E title, and that's what they decided to go with. And I uh, I understand the uh, you know the reasoning behind it, and I've kind of accepted it at this point. But it's interesting because the, the movie. The title changes the expectations of the movie. Arbor Demon makes you think it's going to be one thing, and it's mm-hmm. not that thing. While Enclosure, if you were to watch the movie going in, you're like, I'm watching a movie called Enclosure. The movie that you see delivers on a, on that title. Um, Arbor Demon makes you think more B-movie, horror, monster movie that you would see on the sci-fi channel. Yeah. So I think that the movie became kind of polarizing to audiences either people who watched it were pleased because they were like, well, this was a little bit more, um, the word I'm looking for, suspense-based and character-driven than what I was expecting, or people were upset because of that because they wanted to see something corny because well, they had a corny title. And I'll be honest, I saw some of the reviews that were out there on YouTube of some, uh, some other people, uh, people's, and the first thing that they sa- uh, said was Arbor De- uh, Demon, the title is like very, what is it, misleading? <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I tried explaining that to them numerous times. I said, guys, this isn't the right title for the movie. This doesn't properly, it also gives away the fact that the creatures are like tree creature monsters. <laughs> Editing changes. Which, which sometimes that can happen. You can you 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 can give them a movie and then they'll put it through a chop shop.
subgenre because I've always wanted to make a horror movie with camping, but I didn't want to do the same thing that everybody else is doing. So I was trying to do, I was trying to come at it from a different point of view, and I think I did that. I just didn't, I didn't want the title to, to again, mislead audiences thinking they were going to see something uh, more B, you know, B movie-ish, and, and I wanted, you know, and I'm really proud of Fiona's acting in the movie. She's very happy with it. Um, I was going to ask about that because wasn't she just coming off of wasn't she just coming off of uh, the movie Chucky? Or yeah, yeah, and I had just seen her in it right before we cast her, and she's brilliant. And and Jake was great to work with, and and Kevin Ryan. Really, the cast was fantastic. I the shooting part of it for me was was I mean yes, it was stressful because we were trying to push to get the whole movie shot in 12 days, but, um, you know, ultimately it was, it, 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 it got done and, and, and I was happy with the results and, and but you know, it, it, the title change was for me, it was the ultimate, was the, the one thing that I was not happy with. <laughs> and I mean, it still came out in, in, in uh, the UK as a closure, um, which made me feel good knowing that it was in, you know, it was called that overseas and, and uh, I think German in Germany is called Arbor Men, which I'm like, okay, that makes that makes even less sense. Um, and if you know, if you see the movie, you you understand that the the creatures in the film are women, and so that's like that title makes less sense. Than, but you know, you you kind of have to like when Nailbiter was released in Japan, it was called like Monster Zone, so it's kind of like overseas. You kind of expect goofy titles. <laughs> Well, yeah. But, um, but you know, yeah, I see. I still see Arbor Demon in a lot of places, and, and uh, so I've accepted it as a ti- as the title, and maybe someday I'll re-release it under a traditional title, and uh, you know, um, the way it was intended. But uh, and I think that as in closure, uh, I, I, their their whole logic was that nobody really knows what that movie that title means. It, is it a horror movie? Is it a drama? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Moving on to uh, Ivy League and a Grave Danger. Um, okay, Ivy League is a, um, uh, part of that Strange Events uh, anthology that's out right now. Um, and uh, it's just kind of a, it was my, I did it on a shoestring. Um, and again, it was two actresses who wanted to work with me. And I was like, all right, well, I'll write, I'll write uh, a short film involving nurses. One of them actually is a nurse. Okay. Um, and it was kind of this, I kind of wanted to make it like almost an homage to Palma. Um, I'm a huge De Palma fan. And, uh, you know, I, it's fun twist and turn. They're basically um, both taking care of a guy that, that they were having an affair with. Okay. And um, he's been heavily burned and he's in bed and it's, it, it, it's very, very twisty. And, and um, but again, that's, that's also a, one of those films that's part of that anthology. It's on Tubi. Do you have Tubi TV? Uh, it's a free. It's like on Roku. I um, I don't have it, but I've heard of it. Um, yeah. Um, so 
To justice served, uh, 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 belong to us. Okay, so justice served is probably my most recent um, short film that I've been circulating in the film festivals. Uh, I mean, it's been it's been it's genre blast. It was at um, uh, Nightmares Film Festival in Ohio, um, and uh, it's kind of like a courtroom. It's, the twi- it's very Twilight Zoning. It's like a guy on on, uh, Okay. And, 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 it, it, got, it got rated PG-13, though, which is hilarious. The 
Uh, <laughs> now, who did you pull to uh, 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 for your actors and actresses for this particular? Who did you pull out to uh, to uh, cast for your uh, your your family film? Um, a lot of most of it was local actors. A lot of them I've never worked with before. Okay. Um, but then we had an actor named Ryan Logan who came in to do the film from Los Angeles. He has done a lot of stuff. He's actually been on the TV show Fargo and. Okay. Um, and um, he plays the, the, the lead in the film, and, and uh, the it just all around it was just a really good experience. Okay. And uh, uh, you mentioned before uh, before we came on a, a short a short film called Rattle. Uh, why don't you tell yeah. me a little bit about that short film? Uh, that's the one that's now on the film festival circuit. It's playing at uh, uh, popcorn sites in August. We just got got told that we got selected this week, uh, and it's been playing at the Plated Nightmares Film Festival last October. So it really started its festival run last October. I think Rattle premiered, and the premiere was at Nightmares. And um, and it's only two minutes long, and it basically, <laughs> I wanted to make a film with my, my other daughter, who at the time was not even a year old. Okay. Um, and it's just two parents trying to calm their crying baby down, and, and they don't know why she's crying. And then there's a uh, something standing over her that's making her cry. And it, 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 there's, it's, it's, it, we did an amazing makeup job on this actor. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the horror photographer Joshua Hoffine, but um, he is kind of a uh, world-famous horror photographer. Well, he hooked me up with this actor that he uses uh, for a lot of this film photography, and, and this guy who's, um, plays the monster in the movie, and, and, and uh, we did a really cool makeup job on him, and uh, um, shot the movie one day, and it's been just now really kind of, it, I think it does well because it's quick, you know, it's like, it doesn't take up a lot of time in a film festival schedule, and they can pop it in before feature, and um, uh, so it's, it's I, I, I'm finding that that one, <laughs> usually you're batting, you're, you know, you, you submit the film festivals and you bat about, you know, about 500 because you get in about half of the ones you actually submit to because, for you know, it, it just depends on the judging and, and whether or not they have a, a space for it. This one has been getting into about two-thirds of the ones I've sent to because it's two minutes and it's, it's got a nice little punchline to it and... Um, so I'm hoping that uh, it does well at uh, Popcorn Fright because I think it, uh, Popcorn Fright is sponsored by Alter, and I really want to get one of my film uh, short films on Alter right now. So <laughs> okay, and uh, moving on to uh, uh, two other short films called uh, "It's L Getting Old" and uh, "The View from Here." Why don't you tell me about those productions? Okay, so It's All Getting Old actually stars um, Kip Niven, who is Kip Niven. Um, I don't know if you're a fan of the movie Do You Evil? I've uh, heard of it. It's an early 80s slasher movie. He's actually the lead killer in that movie. Okay. Um, I had worked with him before. He was, he, he was living here in Kansas City doing a lot of theater. Um, unfortunately, he passed away less than a month ago, unexpectedly. Oh. Um, so, yeah, so 
I just now started circulating this movie on the film festival circuit, and and then he yeah he, he passed away. So, um, but uh, it's basically four elderly uh, senior citizens stuck in an elevator, and um, one of them didn't take their meds, and then something terrible happened. After that. <laughs> 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 and that was very fun movie to make and we shot it in a real elevator over two days and um, it was actually produced by um, Michael Bean and Jennifer Blanc Bean um, for a, an anthology that they're putting together um, however the anthology hasn't like been completed so they're giving me um, uh, permission to show the film at some film festivals and kind of get it out there okay just because I was, I was basically like, look, these, these actors are, are not, they're older, and I want the film to be able to be seen, and, and uh, um, so... Now, uh, what is the name of their anthology that try, uh, they're trying to... I don't know what their name oh. is, what they're officially calling it, okay. yet, um, but um, each story is set in an elevator, so okay. that's the concept, Okay. Um, and so they... Um, they're still working on it, but right now I'm, I'm just kind of, I'm kind of playing it here and there. I played it for Hound, and now it's playing it Scare, Scares the Care uh, in, I think, August. And uh, I'm really happy with it, but it's been done for a couple of years. It was just it was one of those things where it's just not done in some place. And I was like, okay, I got to get this movie out there. And sadly, yeah, I won't be around to see it. But, yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah. And then um, the view from here is one that is just now kind of starting to. It's played at um, three or four film festivals. It played, it's more of a um, inspirational short film. It's not. It's not horror. Okay. It's more of a dramatic piece. Um, the lead guy has been on shows like Hawaii Five O, and um, I'm trying to think what else he's been on. Uh, Blue Bloods. Um, Actually, the guy who did the score for the movie, uh, Chase Horseman, I gotta, I gotta sing his praise alone. And he just scored um, the new uh, Blumhouse Into the Dark that's gonna be on Hulu called Culture Shock. Okay. I think you've probably seen a lot of marketing for it. It comes out tomorrow, actually. Yeah. On Hulu, and um, uh, it was Gigi Guerrero who directed it. Okay. Uh, yeah. She, so he's. She scored all of her short films, and so she brought him on the Blumhouse movie. Um, but he's here in Kansas City locally, and so he scored um, uh, The View from a great guy, super talented. He was originally going to score um, in, uh, Enclosure, Oliver Demon, as well. So he and I have been trying to work together for a while, but um, he's definitely on the up and up. He just, you know, they just had the premiere for the uh, that Blumhouse film at the Cafeteria uh, Night in. Uh, in uh, Los Angeles, so yeah, it's, uh, it's cool to see him kind of uh, exploding himself. So okay, um, moving on to a short film uh, that that you mentioned earlier, but uh, but uh, but I figured I'd let you tell uh, uh, tell me about it just a little bit. Fused. Okay, Fused is my latest, and I'm about ninety nine percent done. I think uh, the sound is being mixed right now, and it's it's um. I wanted to make another, again, this is me kind of going uh, towards my diploma uh, sensibilities a little bit. Um, I wanted to make kind of a giallo, a giallo uh, short film, but um, it deals with, um, 
I don't know if you've heard of the condition chimerism, which is when somebody is their own twin. <laughs> it's like okay. basically they, they, they assimilated their twin in the womb, and this is actually a real real thing, where they have people have two sets of DNA, and, and, and so like the idea is that um, this girl assimilated, like basically consumed her twin in the womb, and she is her own twin, and her other twin takes over and is murderous. So it's kind of okay. I'm taking the concept and kind of uh, spun it into uh, a horror film. So, um, in, in most cases, when people have chimerism, they have a, um, a skin condition okay. that um, appears to look like it's like they're they have like blotchy skin, like a, like almost like a birthmark, and it's basically like a two tone uh, skin condition, and 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 the character in my film has that okay um and so she's it's um it's like she's so i use the title fused because she's like fused it's like two people fused into one okay but also i'm also like she's the the term fused as she's like basically uh, basically she's like a a ticking time bomb and when she's when she's gonna snap you know and and turn murderous murderous, so she has a fused so it's kind of like a double meaning title but um Shot the movie over four days in Kansas City, um, and super excited about it. Um, I've entered it into one film festival so far because I want it to be the premiere, and um, fingers crossed that we get in and so we can um, uh, premiere the film there. So, All right. Two other titles that I'm going to ask you about. You don't have to say anything about, uh, about, about these, uh, 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 but you can if you like. City and I Am Lisa. Okay, so I Am Lisa is the feature I start shooting next week. Okay. Um, very very low-budget feature um, that I was approached by the writer, and um, it's, it's different from what my, my previous horror movies are like, but it's, I'm excited about it. It's, it's, it's a revenge movie, which I've always wanted to do a revenge movie. Okay. But it's a female, it's a female werewolf revenge movie, so it's kind of really? like... Really? And it's almost entirely a female cast. So it's a revenge movie that's almost entirely female driven, um, uh, and uh, mostly local cast. I've got a girl named Kristen Magana playing the lead, um, and uh, it's exciting because I mean we're going to shoot it here in Kansas City, very low budget. Um, and Brown Eagles, my DP. Um, we're doing the whole movie in fourteen days. Um, we start Thursday. I'm still, I'm still like in pre-production phase, so I'm like right now doing this. This recording has been my break. Okay. Um, all, all, all of the uh, stress that comes along with the pre-production process. Well, hopefully, um, I haven't stressed you out or anything. <laughs> no, not at all. It's been kind of fun going down memory lane um, on some of this stuff. I'm glad I can recall some of some so many details. Um, <laughs> and. Uh, um, no, I mean, it's going to be fun, and uh, right now we're, we're doing, getting all the makeup effects figured out, and, and uh, um, yeah, so hopefully the weather cooperates, because we're shooting in the middle of July, and that's usually the worst time to shoot in Kansas <laughs> City. Next, next to the winter, it's the worst time, because <laughs> it, gets, it gets so unbelievably hot, and uh, the humidity is, is incredible, so it, it'll be interesting to see how it all goes, I'm, I'm excited about it, but going to be, you know, I was focused on getting Nailbiter 2 off the, off the, the um, ground, and then this movie came along, and 
girl is almost like his way of coping with the loss of his brother. And he grows up, and he gets to high school. He's been homeschooled up until high school. And he finally starts to develop a real relationship with a girl in high school. So it starts to be this tug-of-war triangle relationship between Sadie, the real girl, and the boy. And Sadie starts to actually decompose and fade away because he's falling for this real girl and his attention is elsewhere. So she has to take things in her own hands and, and goes to extreme lengths to hold his attention and get him to love her still. You know, otherwise mm-hmm. he's going to die. So it's almost like this movie that deals with... It's, a, it's kind of a breakup movie. Okay. You know, like your first love, you know? It, it, it's this weird, like, kind of story about what it's like to be forgotten. Okay. And this girl, like, the imaginary friend is the main character, but she's also, like, the antagonist of the film, so it's got kind of a fatal attraction vibe to it. Um, I think it could do really well, and so we've been... Um, really pushing it uh, to get made on a, on a larger scale than some of the uh, micro-budget films that I've been working on. So um, I kind of think Sadie is, is kind of my more of a studio project, and I'm, I'm pushing it that way, rather than you know a movie like I Am Lisa that is more homegrown and I'm doing here in Kansas City. So, um, or even Nailbiter 2, for that matter. And I feel like Nailbiter 2, I have to kind of keep contained and make it in Kansas and Missouri um, and uh, you know keep it keep making that film the way I made the first one I hear you and yeah. uh, Dimension Z must have been that uh, anthology that you were talking about earlier the, yeah that's got another that's got another one of my scrolls yeah those, <laughs> those are like yeah those are the ones that we just put down and then all, all of a sudden a a uh, IMDb credit, and I'm like, oh, I must have one of my shorts on this anthology. <laughs> I know I didn't work on this movie, and so, um, yeah, if you go to them on IMDb, you'll see that they have, like, you know, six directors listed, and, and um, uh, you know, again, like, I I don't have any regrets. Like, some of those are mixed bags, because, some, you know, you can't, you don't have any control over the other, necessarily the other short films on the anthology. Some of them are great, some of them are not so great. And that's just <laughs> the way it is. You know, there is a grass bag of, um... Of different writing, uh, writing or directing right. styles. Well, and not to mention, some of these movies, they're all made at different times, different True. years, because they're basically packaged short films by different directors all across the country and releasing them as one thing. Yeah. And it's really hard to explain to people um, when they rent those that these weren't made specifically for this anthology. You're like, no, it's like, <laughs> basically this has been, like, uh, it's like an art gallery. They've taken a whole bunch of paintings and shoved them together into one. The sorting the hat. <laughs> right, exactly. And so, it, so when people, they get shit on a lot on, on, online, and I have to explain to people, like, well, you have to start looking at these as something... It's a grab bag. It's almost like a, it's it's not a like a movie like VHS or Creepshow where each segment was made specifically for that anthology. These are movies that were made to be played on the film festival circuit by individual directors and then invited to be on this on this collection. Mm-hmm. So if I 
you know, if you explain to them more as a collection, you know, like a, a, a film versus an anthology, people are a little bit more um, uh, lenient on them critically. <laughs> but and I've kind of gotten used to it because I'm like, you know, my short film did really well individually, but then it's like when they, you know, come out on these anthologies. It gets it gets it gets mixed with these other uh, other uh, films, and uh, uh, then because of one fe uh, one little short film, the rest are bad. Right. Right. <laughs> well, it, becomes, it becomes a thing where people are judging it as something that it's not. Like they're judging it as one movie, like like uh, VHS or or. Um, or creep show, or, or uh, uh, you know, when those movies were, that movie was made in the future. Those like VHS, they all were hired to make a segment for one movie. Um, and these these um, anthologies that Ruslan's are putting together, um, they're almost like they're 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 put together. They reach out to different directors at different times, and they don't like, care about the uh, uh, the the exact uh, whether they were good or bad. <laughs> Not necessarily. No, they're cherry picking. They're cherry picking from other people. And I, you know, but for me as a, as a filmmaker, I see it as this opportunity to say, okay, well, this movie's done all it can do on the festival circuit. It's five years old. It's not going anywhere. Go ahead, put it on your anthology because it's just more people to watch. That's how I look at it. You know, like I don't see it because you don't want your movie to just kind of disappear. No. So. You know, I, for me, short film, it, these, these anthologies are an opportunity for these movies to kind of extend their shelf life. And um, uh, so I appreciate that. And, and I think that um, in, in many ways, I, I, I will continue to do that with these films down the road because I know that, you know, down the road, these movies, like, either end up on a YouTube channel somewhere or disappear. Definitely. So um, I think that uh, is where we come to the end of our journey here, and you have, uh, covered, you have covered so much. You basically just covered uh, my entire uh, filmography, <laughs> and um, <laughs> well, I hope it was interesting. I hope it was informative and interesting. I was bringing up stuff that I was like, "Oh man, I forgot about that." <laughs> Well, and I appreciate your patience. Uh, patience. I figured you don't often get an opportunity to uh, uh, to. Have well, yeah, and I think I hope you've seen. You know, if you see some of my earlier work, and you see the stuff I'm doing now, you can definitely see the uh, progression. Like you can see that you know, I haven't gotten worse. I've gotten way better. Well, you like, told me about you know, one or two things that I did not realize, uh, like the Fangoria's uh, stuff, because uh, it, it's been a while since I picked those up, because I've done a lot of collecting, and uh, when, when I do a lot of collecting, sometimes I shelve things that I haven't watched, so uh, doing reviews and whatnot, uh, not starting mid-life, uh, doing it that way, uh, that way and now I'm hearing about okay, this wasn't here and this wasn't here. I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, then like Rudy, yeah, Rupert takes Manhattan of all things. It's like I end up on the his name is Jason, and then like Daniel's parents and I have been friends for years. He's gone on now that he just did um oh the Amityville Murders, and he, he just did um the Haunting of Sharon Tate. Is that what it is? Okay. Like he's got with with he's been doing a lot of stuff. So like all of us have been kind of been. It's, it's 
fun because it's like you see where people are going. Like, uh, for instance, on the Fangoria Blood Drive, I think two, um, Paul Solette has a short film on the second one, and he's gone on to do, like, he did the movie Grace, and then he did, um, he's done a bunch of stuff. Um, he, he had a segment on uh, Tales, Tales of Halloween. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's interesting just to see where people start off and where they end up. And, you know, I'm just thankful that I'm almost 40 and I'm still making movies, and, you know, I'm able to um, keep going, and I, you know, I've got my family, and, and, and uh, you know, I just got to keep progressing, and hopefully, you know, like, right now, like, my dream right now is to do a clubhouse, <laughs> that's my dream, uh, uh, and so I'm hoping that at some point that, that opportunity comes, and I just have to keep working on, on the projects that, you know, come my way that I find interesting, you know, if I feel like something comes my way, and, and uh, like, I Am Lisa, um, not a huge budget, very, very small budget movie, um, but it, it was it's something that I thought I could do something with, and, and um, I knew I knew it could do well, and uh, if we do it right, then it'll be successful, and, and um, hopefully push things along to the next thing, and and uh, I'll keep talking to you and other 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 people, you know, and and um, hopefully twenty years from now we'll just keep talking about. Definitely, man. I mean, I'm I'm not planning on this being just a one-time uh, visit. You're more than welcome to come back. So, uh, it, it, in any case, um, uh, now where can we f uh, find? Uh, well, most of mo most of your stuff you can find on Amazon, YouTube, uh, 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 things of that nature. But does your right, production right. company have? Or the, the one that you uh, said... I mean, I think it's easier just to find me on Facebook because I have my own Patrick Ray okay. uh, writer, director, producer page okay. to look me up on. Um, and I'm always kind of, and then also my regular Facebook, but I'm about ready to reach 5,000 um, friends, so I'm, I'm kind of pushing things a little bit over to my um, uh, filmmaking page. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, Neobiter is available just about everywhere. And, um you know, iTunes, Voodoo, uh, and, and uh, uh, I think you can still get the DVD. Uh, Arbor Demon, same thing. And okay. Everything pops up every, everywhere. And Belong to Us comes out August 6th, which is a completely, completely <laughs> different, um, uh, you know, I, I, I like keeping people guessing. Cause I really like keeping guessing. <laughs> well, you don't always want to... You don't always want to do the same thing. I mean, it, well, and I worked on that. I, I worked on that CBS kids show, The Inspectors. Uh, I, was, I wrote seven episodes with Michelle Davidson, and I directed two. And how was that? Uh, and that's like a, it was great, but it was a, that's a full-on just kids kids show. Like it's <laughs> it's just a lot different from um, some of the other stuff. But it's refreshing to be doing different kinds of things. Now that I'm like, I couldn't be more excited to do a horror movie right now. So like, <laughs> I'm so excited to be making it. Like, Fused for me, there's like very little humor in Fused and like, I Am Lisa, which has got humor in it, but it's going to be more, uh, you know, uh, horror-esque and, and uh, I think that, uh, you know, I like to bounce back and forth between the genres and, and uh, I don't plan on doing a romantic comedy anytime soon. <laughs> Yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a hundred percent a dramatic inspirational film. It's 
And so I, I don't want to be a one-trick pony. Um, I want to be able to do different kinds of genres. Ultimately, I want to make a sci-fi movie. Um, but, you know, that uh, low budget tends to lean, lean towards more horror uh, and uh, uh, dramatic uh, films. And I think that uh, sci-fi movies are a little bit more expensive, especially the ones <laughs> I want to do. So someday I will get to that, I think. Alrighty. Well, I appreciate you uh, being patient and uh, going through me all, uh, 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 all, all of these uh, with me. And uh, yeah. and thank you for coming on the show. No problem. I hope I hope it was good. And, and uh, I look forward to uh, let me know when you're going to start circulating the program. And I'll uh, I'll definitely post I'll it all around. Probably get it out later on tonight. Um, and okay. uh, uh, after after I do both interviews, and then. Um, and then I'll get both of those out uh, uh, tonight's as uh, uh, some time. Once uh, uh, once I get the link in there, I'll let you know, and then you can share it like crazy. Great. Alrighty. Well, uh, awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, and have a great a afternoon. You too, man. Right. Goodbye. <laughs> bye bye. My mother thanks you. My father thanks you. My sister thanks you, and I thank you. Thank you.